What's up, everyone? This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average everyday Chiefs talk. All of our episodes are available on all major podcast platforms. Just look or search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast, as well as you can search for us on all various social media pages, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All right, so um, it's been an interesting week so far. I will get into that a little bit later as far as on the Chiefs' current status, Uh, but I would like to say, um, how's your week been going so far, Rich? Busy one since we got holidays coming up and vacation time, so the the Monday through Friday day job, the one that pays the bills, has me pretty occupied. How about yours? Yeah, I get to say with uh, like I said, the holidays coming up and uh, taking the last of my vacation I have for the year this year, pretty much being off all this week, uh, kind of does help and uh, at least you know get all that last minute uh, shopping or uh, wrapping together. Um, you know, getting ready for the, you know, big holiday Christmas this weekend coming up. Um, so, um, so the Chargers and Chiefs game from week 15 in Los Angeles, which, uh, played last Thursday night, um, really was, I would say at first it wasn't really that great of a game. Um, obviously as we, as the game went on, um, you know, starting more in the fourth quarter, uh, it got actually pretty interesting. Obviously, the Chiefs end up winning the game 34-28 in overtime, um, making us win now seven straight games going to on to 10-4 and four, um, and sitting at top of not only the AFC West at the uh, top spot, but also the number one seat in the AFC. Um, so we're looking to hold on to that with only three games left. Um, we can get a little bit more into that a little bit later, but for now, I'll send it to you, Rich, for the uh, box score from the game. All right, so starting off with the obvious score, right? 34, Chiefs, Chargers 28, brings the Chiefs record to 10-4, and four, and the Chargers to 8-6. and six. Every time I say the Chargers, I still think I always say San Diego. You want to say San Diego in the back of your mind, it's the same sure thing. So, all right, and so going into the team stats or the team numbers, Overall total yards, Chiefs will go first, followed by the Chargers. Chiefs were at 496 with 410 yards in the air, 86 on the ground. Chargers were at 428, 236 in the air, 192 on the ground. Turnover battle was tied with two turnovers apiece for each team. Time of possession, 28-12 for the Chiefs, 33-03. For now, I almost said the Clippers since I saw LAC. So um, <laughs> Chargers are at thirty three oh three, right? And then of course, um, you know, unless you didn't watch the game, um, Mahomes led the way passing wise for the Chiefs with thirty one out of forty seven, four hundred and ten yards, three touchdowns, one hundred five point eight quarterback rating. Herbert was 22 of 38, 236, with two touchdowns and one interception, quarterback rating of 82.8. Into the rushing stats, um, I did not know this. So Patrick Mahomes had as many yards as Clyde Edwards-Alaire, both with 32 32 yards apiece. And uh, Michael Burton being the one to have the 
touchdown on the on the ground, rushing the ball. Chiefs leaders in passing or sorry receiving were um, receptions wise Tyreek Hill with twelve, yardage wise one hundred ninety one for Travis Kelsey, two touchdowns for Kelsey, one for Hill, and then the Chargers. In the rushing category, Eckler had 12 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jackson had 13 carries, 86 yards. And receiving-wise, their leader was Keenan Allen with six receptions, 78 yards, and one touchdown. Defensively, um, I think any Chiefs fan that follows the team pretty heavily knows that Nick Bolton had another amazing game. 14 combined tackles, 10 solo, 4 assisted. Then, of course, he had that nice little tip that Anthony Hitchens got an interception on. So he led the way for the Chiefs defensively, tackles-wise. And defensively for the Chargers, their leader was, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, Kazir White um, with 9 solo tackles. for the game. So overall, um, a very, very high game in regards to yardage and points and definitely more of the modern NFL type game. Passing it over to you now. All right. So before we get into some of the high level plays from the game, <clears throat> I did want to mention that um, obviously on that first drive, the Chargers had um, their tight end, Donald uh, Parham Jr. had that scary play where his you know, basically his head hit the turf and was pretty scary, um, you know, seeing that. And, um, you know, thankfully at the end of the day, um, he actually was just diagnosed with concussion and, uh, I believe was released from the hospital, um, within the next day and just pretty, uh, resting pretty well. But I just wanted to point that out. That was a, um, you know, pretty scary play to see whether it's on your team or not. Um, seeing that any game, um, is something that, uh, you never want to really see happen. So, um, good things that nothing, um, you know, more terrible happened from that. Um, and that, uh, you know, he ended up being okay. Cause, um, uh, I don't know if you saw obviously when he was on the stretcher and they were showing him, you know, going out of the stadium, like he was kind of shaking a little bit too. So, um, just, just definitely concerned and seeing that, but, uh, it looks like he'll, he'll be okay. Just, you know, rest, <clears throat> excuse me, rest up. Yeah. that's a good point. Cause like, I thought he was doing some kind of like, like sign showing the fans that he was okay. But I guess I didn't even think about the fact that he, he could have just been shaken, you know, come what's it called? Convulsing. Yeah. And there's also, um, there's also, I forget what it's called that like, um, certain bodies or sorry, your arms would cross or almost cross like that in a, a certain position when you hit your head. Um, pretty severely. I forget what that term now um, that someone had mentioned early, but um, also, so it could have been, that's what I was thinking too afterwards. Not only, you know, was it possibly him shaking, but also could have been a sign that he hit his head pretty hard. Um, yeah, I did uh, not know that. On the ground as well. Uh, I wish I knew the term off of my head, but there is, there's, uh, there's, you can get concussion or when you hit your head pretty hard, uh, there's certain things that your body will just kind of do. Um, and you're not even actually, uh, doing it yourself, um, that's kind of making it a sign that's been a severe head injury. So, uh, I'm, sure but, Google, I'm sure Google won't let us down. So while you're uh, trying to <laughs> up here, um, let's see if I'll figure it out. Right. So, but because um, my friend mentioned it too a while ago, I just totally forgot. But um, like I said, thankful that, uh, you know, he's been released and uh, hopefully he makes a, 
you know, full recovery after uh, resting for a while. So um, going into the game on, like I said, some of the high level plays, um, the first one I kind of want to bring up, and it's kind of a clunk because I kind of want to clunk this one all together, is the Chiefs defense um, stopping the Chargers on fourth down three times, which could have been uh, at least nine points on those drives for the Chargers. Obviously, the first one, um, fourth and goal from the five, where there was the drop pass um, actually to the tight end, uh, uh, Donald Parham Jr., who actually got hurt. Um, then there was the other fourth and goal from the one and a half yard line right before halftime where Daniel, Daniel Sorensen got the, um, batted down pass. And then also there was the fourth and two from our 28 yard line. Uh, but I want to say it's the second drive of the second half first for the chargers, um, there in the third quarter, um, they didn't get it as well. So I believe they were two from five from fourth downs on Thursday night. Um, and those were the three that uh, they did not uh, get. So I wanted to kind of talk about that because that and that was kind of some key plays, obviously, the defense made. I know normally on high-level plays, we kind of more talk about offense, but that was more of, I would say, a fantastic job by the defense because that took nine point, at least nine points off the board for the Chargers. Uh then there was also, uh, I would say, the Mahomes. So the, the the questionable Mahomes fumble before halftime. This I actually wanted to get your thoughts on this. Rich was was his arm going forward? Uh, was that something that uh, you thought actually really was a fumble, or do you think that was an incomplete pass? So I always try to think of it if I were a neutral, right? If I didn't have things vested into one side of the game, and for the most part, I do a good job, right? <laughs> but um, I mean. Watching it, I can see why they kept it that way. I think it would be one of those where if they had ruled it an incomplete and um, what's his name? Uh, Staley challenges it. I think they would have kept it because it's one of those, you know, is it clear that there's an error, right? And it looks like, you know, it's an incomplete pass when you look at it, you know, full or real time full speed versus, you know, slowing it down. But because the refs ruled it a fumble on the field, I think that's why they kept it is because they couldn't basically say, hey, we made a clear-cut mistake in our call. And I think that was the key to it is, you know, um, the replay system, right, is there for – is there inconclusive evidence? I think that's the term that they constantly use. And right. I think it was too debatable. You could you could make arguments both ways. I personally think it was an incomplete pass. I think he he was hit. He was able to hold on to the ball, and he did let it go as his hand was barely moving forward. Um, but you know that's the whole thing, right? Is the, if you still have the ball in your hand as it's going forward, and you let it go as it's moving forward, and you're not moving forward to tuck it down, then it should be incomplete. Um, but like I said, I think. The referee calling it a fumble is what kept it a fumble after the the review. What right. So it's, it's 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 basically kind of like whatever the call is on the field in that situation is going to be pretty much probably the end up being the call actually made right. uh, where it's kind of hard to overturn um, that. Um, yeah, that 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 call pretty much on there. Also, um, 
as you actually were talking about that, I did look up the term for what I was talking about the concussion earlier. It's called fencing position. Yeah, I found um, it as well. So. so yeah, so just uh yeah, so basically FYI for um, anybody that uh, sees something like that in the future, that could that, that could be a sign for that. Um, if not, it's just a uh, you know a volunteer um, by the actual player. Um, so going forward, more plays we had seen from the game. Uh, I did I did put down as well the Tyreek Hill catch in the third quarter. Um, if you recall, that was the one where uh, I forget the cornerback's name for the Chargers uh, was flagged for pass interference, but he caught the ball right underneath his arm. I thought that was a fantastic catch by Tyreek Hill. Um, but you but, know what? Like I know we were joking about that catch in our chat. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it. Really? I'd have to go back and like specifically watch it, but I don't remember that catch. Yeah, it was a pretty nice catch. It was right there on the sideline. Mahomes threw it. Um, I don't know if it was, I would say, like a perfect pass from Mahomes, but it was right there where it needed to be thrown to Tyreek Hill, and he kind of, Tyreek Hill just adjusted it and caught it. it. Looked like he caught it right through uh, one of the guys' like right arm, but uh, it was a pretty good catch that Tyreek made. Regardless, it would have been. Third quarter, right? Yeah, it was right there in the third quarter. Um, you find it like late, early, mid, or what? Uh, I want to say it was. If not the first, I think it was the second drive the Chiefs made, um, I believe, um, in the third quarter that we had. Yeah, because like, um, we had uh, one of our buddies constantly talk about it, and I'm like, what the heck is he talking about? Yeah, uh, but it was. I thought it was a pretty good play. I mean, regardless, if he didn't um, make that catch, it would have been um, pass interference anyways or holding on defense, so we've had the ball there. But I thought that was a, a play they point out as far as on Tyreek Hill on that uh, catch. Yeah, because I know he had that great catch in uh, overtime, right? That pure hands mm-hmm. catch headed towards the sideline. I think it was right. Overtime. That is true. Um, and then um, also there was the so there was that uh, strip uh, ball by Wharton on the goal line, where uh, was it? Was it Eckler? Was it Jackson? That was reaching for he yeah. he dove for the end zone on like the five no any the five maybe the four yard line. And I'm like, why are you trying to dive over the top on the on the four yard like? <laughs> you guys so stop like one like Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he dives that early, and so Tyre uh, Tyron Wharton is the one who strips the ball. Um, I can't remember who's, who recovers it, but uh, that was a great play made on our defensive part right there, um, knowing the situation and trying to knock the ball away from the running back. Um, I, I kind of lumped this together too as well because in in, the, in return. Three plays later, on third and two, Mahomes throws a pass, and it's just, it's just a great defensive play. Uh, play by uh, number forty-two for the Chargers, who I can't remember his name either. Um, yeah. He tips the ball in the air and catches it. Just a great defensive play. I mean, um, nothing really you can really say about that one. You know, obviously Mahomes was trying to flick a pass over the top of him to Clyde Edwards-Helaire in that play, and you know, it just gets picked. So um, it ultimately those back and forth plays where the Chargers were trying to score and then we got the ball, um, Chargers get the ball back after the interception. They actually end up scoring anyways um, on, on, I think, the if not the next play, the play after that um, for a touchdown. And then um, the final two I have also clumped together for highlight plays is Kelsey's 69-yard catch and run uh, down to the one-yard line there in the fourth quarter and his um, famous 34-yard catch-and-run in overtime, the walk-off win. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two plays? Yeah, so, I man, it was it was cool to see 
you know, him take one that far because, I mean, he, he gets his yards, right? I mean, there's a reason why, what is it, six straight seasons of 1,000 yard, um, yeah. thousand yards, right, mm-hmm. which has never been done by a tight end. So he definitely gets his yak, no doubt. But for him to break that 69-yarder, ran a little bit of gas, which I expect, man, he's a big dude, and then get that walk-off, those are just great. Um, and uh, the last one, if I'm not mistaken, I counted five bodies that he ran past you know, from about the 30-yard line. So, and those are cool plays. They're great to see. I think it, you know, ends the debate once again on who the best tight end in the NFL is. And, uh, you know, we really got to start. I mean, we don't have to, right? There's no, there's no, there's nothing written anywhere that says we have to, you know, make a decision now. But, man, this guy, he sure does have the resume for best tight end of all time. And, you know, even better than Tony Gonzalez and Shannon Sharp. And he's not done. So, Exactly. Yeah, totally agree. So leading into our game balls, I mean, we're pretty much we kind of just talked into him having the game ball. Um, I guess I'll give it to you uh, just if you want to. I know your game ball is probably Kelsey. So let's give it to you. Talk if you want. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, and the cool thing is, you know, there are a few, right? There are a few that I guess we can give out. And without a doubt, Travis Kelsey is very deserving of it. I would say this could maybe I'd have to really go back and look and think about games, but this to me was his best game as a tight end that I can remember right in a long time now. Of course, I don't remember every single game of his in his entire tenure with us. Um, but yeah, without a doubt, Travis Kelsey gets one of the game balls. But my um, other one on this one, just to you know not make it the obvious, um, to me it was between Nick Bolton and Patrick Mahomes. But Nick Bolton once again was amazing in every aspect. Um, I was, you know, before this, I was doing my, my refining of memories and going through plays again. And, um, there was a play in the, I want to say it was the fourth quarter, maybe, maybe even the third, it's fourth and two. And we all know that Nick Bolton coming out of Mizzou didn't get the best rep for coverage. Um, but he reads the play perfectly, covers Jerry Cook on a quick outright on fourth and two breaks up the pass. I don't know if you remember this play. Um, and obviously gets us off the field on fourth down. Another one where Staley goes for it, where maybe he could have given his kicker a chance. So not only was he good tackling and being around the ball, but with this tip pass, as well as that pass breakup on fourth and two on Cook, um, you know, it's very deserving of the rookie. And, you know, once again, you know, making it look like Brett Veach found another um, day to win on Jim. So that fourth and two, I was thinking, because that was actually the third one that I had from the fourth down stops that we had in this game. I could remember exactly what happened on that fourth down and two. It was from the 28-yard line of ours, which was in the third quarter. So um, I'm glad you brought that up because now that makes that makes sense that that was actually Bolton that made that play um, on fourth and two for them to not get um, the third, fourth down stop of ours for the game um, for that. So. Um, I'm right there with you on game balls. Um, obviously, Kelsey um, having his highlight day with uh, 10 catches, 191 yards, two touchdowns um, with those two fantastic runs. Uh, Nick Bolton's definitely deserved with the 14 tackles he had in the game um, and Mahomes as well. I mean, even though um, you know Kelsey was heavy involved in those last three series that we had, um, you know, he I think he obviously he had. The long, he obviously the 69 yard run was the one, um, was the first big impact he had. Then the drive right before overtime to actually tie us right back up again. 
He had the touchdown. We made a nice move to spin around uh, the cornerback and catch the ball where Mahomes is, um, you know, um, scrambling and he finds him with the end zone. And then obviously he had the game-winning touchdown. So, I mean, obviously he's he's there. But like I said, you can't say much more about how Nick Bolton has been in this defense. And um, the more snaps that he gets, the more playing time he gets, he is more comfortable in this defense and is just really exciting to watch. Like you said, he's not he's not the fastest. He's not Willie Gay. Willie Gay is obviously more, probably more, um, I'd say, more of a, a agile or more of the speed linebacker we got. But Bolton, when he's there and he can, um, you know, make plays happen, uh, time and time again, we've seen from the amount of plays that he's gotten. So um, it's nice seeing, like I said, being able to see him out there a little bit more um, since Willie Gay wasn't able to. Uh, you know, playing this game, but like besides, like I said, besides those two guys, and you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, is he was still, you know, let our team down the field, and we still got those touchdowns when we needed them there towards the end of the games, regardless of some of the drives that might have uh, failed early in the game. He still was able to um, help us lead that uh, our team ultimately in victory. Man, that was so funny how you word played that. You said let our team down. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, he did, right? That he did. funny throw there uh, to McCall Harbin with, once again, we I've always talked about, and I know other people agree and some disagree, but like Patrick's feet were, I think, the reason for most of his bad throws this past game, which he had a lot, um, a little bit more than what we're normally used to. And that's probably one of, been one of his biggest downfalls this year, right, is him missing long throws more than normal. Um in his feet. So yeah, you set me up there and I was like, Oh, this man's really going to go in on Patrick, huh? But no, so good little wordplay there. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, there, that fourth down play and it just seemed like we didn't, we didn't get to talk about this yet. Cause that was obviously, you know, one, obviously it's not a high level play. It's just probably more of a dis- disappointing play from the game. Okay. Um, obviously, but um, he just, um, it almost looked like he was just like, I, I got to get this ball snapped and I got to give it to him real quick. Like he was just trying to get out to him as quick as he can. And he, like I said, he didn't get the feet set and everything down that he's supposed to, you know, obviously do um, to be the, you know, the Mahomes guy that he is, but uh, it's just, yeah. yeah I think did you hear that what was he said after the game um, is that he just didn't get a good grip on the ball. So he kind of just threw it out there without really mm-hmm. holding it. Of course, you know, like those kind of throws, it's a one step drop, open up your hips and fling it. And, yeah, his feet were all messed up. He didn't have the ball. Um, but, you know, that's why there are four quarters to a game because his last 10 minutes of the game were better than the first, what is it, what is it, 15 minutes? So 47 minutes worth, no, 40, no, 50 minutes worth of football, if I'm counting right. Right, yeah, sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I, I did joke around in our chat, too, and I said, well, on the flip side, if Mahomes actually threw the ball accurate, did Har- does Hardman drop that pass? I, that was obviously a joke, but yeah, um, you know, that, I think obviously in the end, uh, Mahomes, like I said, made the plays there in the end and kind of overcame uh, some of those mistakes that he had early in the game. So good to see that again. Hopefully, we can see that consistency back from uh, Mahomes, and hopefully, he's getting his confidence back. You know, after those last three drives, it did look, did look good seeing that too as well from that. So. On to uh, a player that disappointed from this game. Um, you know, it's it was kind of hard, you know, looking back at some of these, uh, obviously the game and kind of seeing, well, was there really anybody that kind of had a, a down game? The only person I came up with was Frank Clark just because the left tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers was out. 
So I felt like he would have a pretty good game. I don't know. Um, I, I know I think you mentioned or someone else has mentioned that he might have been hurt during the game. So I wasn't sure if that played in the factor, but I know he just kind of didn't have a performance kind of game that I, I was kind of expecting him uh, to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that that was my that was what I had found out is that he was hurt. It's a little beat up, and that's why he was kind of out at the beginning of the game. And I mean, he looked like it, right? He just didn't look as fast as he had normally been. Um, so that makes sense. I mean, let's say the the disappointing or not so good player being Frank Clark. Because for myself, I had a kind of a hard time, you know, without beating anyone up too much. Um, you know, I mean, Patrick was disappointing for about three quarters. Um, but again, right, that's why you don't judge things based off three quarters. It's really about how you finish. Um, but so I went the complete easy route and blamed someone else on the other team. And Brandon Staley, right? Of course, for us as Chiefs fans, it's good that he made those calls on fourth down. But it's this new craze in this analytics, which I get, right? That's why you want the analytics piece um, of football. I mean, John Harbaugh, I think, is probably the revolutionist on that as his um, backroom staff or um, front office team includes the biggest set of analysts from um, anyone in the NFL. Um, you know, and he's been known as someone who goes for it often on fourth down over the last few years. But Brandon Staley, it's one of those where I get that teams sit there and think, well, we're going up against Mahomes, so we can't really afford to just trade punches with him. You have to try to beat him. But you also have to take the points that you get. And statistically over time, we've had a lot of close games, right? I mean, I can't remember what Patrick's record is off the top of my head in close games. Is Yeah, he's won more than he's lost. But he is there in in tight games, right? So um, for me, the disappointing from a football aspect is Brandon Staley, and he defended his way of coaching and all that stuff. Um, I'm sure his guys love it. But it's just it, – I think it's one of those where it's going to get coaches in trouble. Um, John Harbaugh isn't going to get in trouble for it for going for it on fourth down. To end the or sorry, to going for the two point conversion as opposed to kicking an extra point. Um, I think that's different than what Brandon Staley did, but we see it all the time. I think uh, Matt Nagy did it yesterday too, and there in the fourth quarter, he could have been down by nine point or eight points, ended up being down by what is it, sixteen points? No, fifteen points because he didn't just take two field goals. So that's just, um, I guess that's just the old man in me being a a Belichick follower, where you know. Football plays out, you take what football is giving you. So, Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I've always felt that you never take points off the board, especially in the first half. I mean, maybe more so in the second half, I can kind of see it more so. Um, and I, under, I understand Staley's um, philosophy that he has or anything that's going forward. Um, I'll notice he's playing a, a Chiefs offense that at any time, as you could see towards the end of the game, could put it on at any time and put seven points up. So he's trying to obviously try to get the most points out of um, you know the Chargers for his team to ultimately win at the end of the day. I just don't agree with it. Um, obviously, as well, I just I just first half, I just I just don't think you ever take the points off the board. You just you know you got to if you're there, you take them. Like I said, it's a long game. You got um, so much time that uh, in the second half that you can always overcome that or. Um, you know, chance, more chances to put up points. And like you mentioned, the Harbaugh situation, I understand that being a little bit different as well because, yes, they went for that two-pointer at the end of the game two of the last three weeks um, because their defense is hurt. They've had so right. many uh, defense injuries 
Uh, they're just trying to win the game um, based on the flip, losing that the coin toss there at the end, yeah. uh, which we'll actually talk about here in a minute. Uh, that coin toss there in overtime, you lose that. You're not going to, you know, the chances are if you're going to be on defense and your guys are hurt, man, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big downer. So, yeah, I understand why he wants to go for those two on that. So, but um, I know, obviously, like you said, um, Staley came out after the game saying that this is what we're going to do going forward. This is how this team is. Um, and we'll continue to do this. And, you know, rightfully so. That's, that's like I said, that's his call, and that's how you want to run the team. But, like I said, I just think both of us <clears throat> uh, just don't kind of really, really agree with that uh, for that point. Um, and also, so leading up to our favorite moment of the game, we've kind of already butchered this, right? We've talked about Kelsey already um, on that uh, walk-off 34-yard catch and run for a touchdown, pretty much being favorite moment. Probably every Chiefs fan would say that, too, as well. Um, I wouldn't really say this other one is uh, is more of a favorite moment, but I was just trying to, you know, break it up a little bit and say something different. We talked about this here a little bit ago too. How <clears throat> once again Nick Bolton played pretty well. Well, he also had that tip pass, um, you know, um, that that led to the Anthony Hitchens uh, interception. I thought to point out too as well. Like I said, maybe not more of a favorite moment, but it could have been of more of a clutch moment early in the game when we're only up um, seven nothing and get that ball um turnover and end up getting a field goal off that drive making it 10 nothing early always helpful to start out the game going up double digits yeah i mean like you said right it'd be you know kind of repetitive of us to keep saying the kelsey play i'm with the goal line sam i think that was huge i think it was ben neiman that hits him first and then more than right slaps that out of there or i don't know if that was a really a slap but just kind of hits it out of there mm-hmm. so that was for me basically one of the favorite moments of the game because I'm not mistaken, they score there, and I feel like the momentum, um, you know, just could completely go the opposite direction. And that's one of those, man, we've already stopped them a few times on fourth down. Um, you know, so you stop them there on the goal line, and in typical Chargers-Chiefs fashion, you know, the Chargers find a way to blow it there close to the goal line, um, as Phillip Rivers did a few times. And um, what was the, the running back's name? Melvin Gordon. I always get him in Ingram. Confused, right? But I think he had a fumble there a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, around the goal line against the Chiefs. So just something with the Chargers and the Chiefs around the goal line. Not only that, but Phil Rivers had that fumble on his yeah, here, getting ready right, to right. end the game at Arrowhead. Yeah, I think it was a Monday night football game. Yeah, um, someone said that, like, they popped a firework and I guess, like, the the Rivers, you know, or the center heard Rivers say, like, hut. Um, and Rivers wasn't ready for it. I don't know, but whatever it is, it's like, man, it's crazy. That was classic. Yeah, definitely. That was a classic Chargers moment for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, on that one. So, um, we just talked a little bit ago about <clears throat> overtime and, um, you know, coin flips and all that. So, I thought this would be a good conversation because obviously this game involved overtime win. Um, Chiefs have been in the situation in the past and, I know in the past we've always dreaded that overtime. Oh, the defense is going to come out there and we're just going to lose the game because you know it <laughs> happened so many times to us, anyways. So um, I kind of wanted to bring this up because I, I thought that uh, the overtime rules I think need to change. They really do. Uh, I do. I like that the original um, rule was okay. First person to score that wins. That that was great, right? I mean that 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 was cool at the time. And then they changed it to well, if you kick a field goal, then the other team um, gets a chance to 
either you know kick a field goal to tie it or a touchdown to ultimately win the game as well. Or like I said, whoever gets the ball first, if they just score a touchdown like the Chiefs did on Sunday, the game's over. Or sorry, on Thursday. I keep thinking the game was on Sunday. No, so on Thursday when they scored, the game was over. So um, I think that it should be similar to college, but not like college. And here's what I'm saying is I think no matter if the, the team that wins the coin toss or whoever receives the ball first, if they score a touchdown, no matter if they score a field goal or a touchdown, right. the other team still gets a chance to score a touchdown as well. Right. They get to at least um, match it. At least match it. Now, here's my... Here's my other theory to it as well. If you score a touchdown in overtime, you have to go for two points. You cannot yeah, kick a field goal. I feel like I feel like no. So if it so if say for instance on Thursday when the Chiefs scored, they had to go for two, um, you know, make it or whatever, and then then Chargers could come down and they could do the same. I just feel like it's just it, it's a it's a dynamic that. Um, it, maybe not the maybe not the two point conversion thing uh, for sure. I mean, I I like it, but I don't know if everyone else will like that. But um, I think at least both teams should have the ball no matter a touchdown. Because let's face it, um, you know, NFL watching these overtime games sometimes is not really as dramatic as as the game was on Thursday. But to add that also dynamic that if one team scores a touchdown no matter what, and the other team will still get the ball. I just think it makes it more entertainment value of watching it, especially two teams like this. You would want to see something like that when the Chiefs lost to the Patriots in uh, the AFC Championship game years ago. Uh, You know, that would have been fun to see that, especially in the AFC Championship game. The winners decided to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I just think it's that time to make the change, uh, and I'll leave it to you to – you know, uh, your details of discussion for it, but I just think that's how it should be. Well, and if you remember, right, after that year, I want to call it Andrew Reed to Crybaby because he suggested that rule change, um, you know, in the whatever coaches' owners' meeting or whatever. Um, and everyone was like, oh, Andrew Reed's just crying because he lost. He should just win a regulation. Well, but th- that's like that's like saying, okay, well, in no sport, there's no point in over, you know, because you should have won it in regulation. But in reality, right. overtime is part of regulation because it's there. So, yeah. Um, so I'm one of those. I'm taking a little bit of. I agree wholehearted with you, wholeheartedly with you. Um, but let's say looking at every sport, right? Basketball. If they're tied at the end of the the what is it, um, sixty minutes, they go to overtime and they keep playing until somebody wins. Whoever has the most points at the end of the quarter. Um, soccer is different, right? I think soccer. I think the fact that you know, and I'm a big soccer guy. They have ties. I don't like ties. I get why people like them, but I don't like them. At the end of the game, they should just go straight to penalty kicks because it's just as even as can be. They both get X amount of kicks, same same size goal, same spot. Um, but, right, they have their own tie rules, and they go to extra time, and they play 30 minutes regardless, right? Then you've got baseball, which technically, I guess, um, you know, one team can not get a chance, but in reality, they did get a chance, right? Um, so right. Baseball has even overtime rules. And football is the only sport, I mean, even in hockey, right? They both, because in hockey, do they do sudden death or a golden goal? Or I forgot the. So hockey does it to where, uh, and I like that they changed in hockey. It's uh, They do three on three instead of five on five for five minutes in overtime. And if they if no one scores out of that, then it's a shootout. Then they do the shootout. Okay, well, that makes sense, right? Again, both teams get the opportunity. It's a free-flowing game. It's not one-sided like it is in football, but and then college football, right? They've got rules that change per um, series of overtime, 
And it makes the game fun. Like that Alabama-Auburn game to end the season is the most overtimes I've seen. And, you know, so I got full experience of the rules. So very, very long-winded long buildup to my response of it makes zero sense as to why the NFL has this outdated, dumb rule. I think it once again reflects the shallowness of the NFL owners with so many other topics like taunting, which – we could talk about that. That could be our next topic is the taunting rule and the stupidity that that is, right? That's true. That one's, that one's insane. But so anyways, there's zero reason because let's say there's people that, well, you should have won it in regulation. Okay, but we didn't. And this is the current situation. So there's overtime, extra time, whatever you want to call it. Like you said, you can do a full kickoff. Okay, well, we don't like kickoffs. All right, well, then both teams get it from the 50. Get it from the 50. If you score a touchdown, the other team gets one. If you score a field goal, the, the other team gets an opportunity from the 50 to match or, or beat it, right? Go for two. Makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, now, there's the argument of, well, we don't – that's another play that can, you know, potentially lead for a big injury like um, – what's his name? Daniel Parham or what was – I can't remember his first name. Oh, from the yeah, uh, from the Chargers. Uh, okay, Donald, so yeah, Parham I get Jr. that, right? That okay, that's another play that can lead to you know an injury. I get it. So okay, well then just make it a kick. But the fact that we're still deciding um, for the most part an NFL's game, an NFL game by a coin toss, is insane, right? And in our case, it worked this time. The Chiefs scored on the first play of the game, but without a doubt, I agree that the Chargers fans should rightfully be you know, complaining about the fact that they didn't even get a chance because we were in that position in the AFC Championship. So I am 100% with what you said of both teams get it. If they don't want to do a kickoff, start at the 50 because the 30, right, most NFL kickers can hit one from easily from the 30. So you start it at the 50. They get, you know, they, they can do five first downs if they want to score a touchdown. But – um Time technically, there's no time limit now on the quarter, right? Then um, if they match it, great. And if they do that, then change it up. Make it like from the 20, the your own 25, make it further, right? Or make it shorter or something like that. But do the, you know, make it harder like college football over time does so that both teams get a fair chance. Or just let them play. Um until there is there isn't a tie, you know, like where there's just a, like basketball, right? Where they just play 15 minutes. Now, of course, I know that an NFL team can, you know, run out the clock for the entirety of a quarter. But how often does that happen where one NFL team goes on a, you know, 15 minute drive, you know? So that's mm -hmm. that's one where I would say is, I mean, there are so many more logical ways to decide a game than in overtime than what it currently is set up. And the fact that the NFL still doesn't change it is just a reflection on, I think, very, very shallow and old um, old leaders, right, with their old thinking of, well, they should have won in, in, in regular time. Right. <clears throat> now, now I, I kind of agree with you a little bit. Now, when you said the 50, I, you kind of had me lost there for a minute because I, I don't I don't totally agree with that. Um, here's why. I just think. You don't take the regular part of the game out of it in overtime. I know this whole thing with the whole safety and everything, and um, but I, I still say do the kickoffs in overtime, just like yeah. you're doing yeah. right now. Um, 
Uh, and uh, like you said, both teams get the chance to get the ball, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal. Uh, both teams have to go for it too. Now, if it let's say for instance, both teams, um, you know, get a touchdown, both teams either either make it or not, where it's tied at the end of the first overtime, then you automatically give the other team the ball at like the twenty-five or thirty, um, no kickoffs. Um, yeah. They're in the second part. Like I would say, their own twenty-five or thirty, and then and then the next team scores from there wins the game. But like you said, you keep going until someone wins. I, I don't like the tie in football. Yeah. I think that's it's one of the most dumbest things too, as well. I mean, it's just I I never got the whole tie thing um, there for the NFL, especially with um, so much of it. This sport being entertaining and fans loving to watch it, especially like I said, once again, two teams like the Chargers and the Chiefs. Now, if you have the Reds, no, it's not the Redskins, Washington football team in Philly playing each other in overtime, you know, maybe not be as entertaining. But <laughs> the, but you have, the Texans. <laughs> yeah, but you still have the rules set in place that if you have teams like this or just to make it fair anyways, doesn't matter what kind of teams are playing each other, but just to make it the rules better, like you said, just the outdated rules need to go and they need to figure something out, whether it be something what we just discussed, whether along the lines, um, I think our ideas as it is is better than what it is right now. So I, I would just hope that – um. Uh, they come up with something better. Yeah, and my reasoning, and I talk about this every time I see a kickoff, is like these kickers are now putting it out of the end zone with, you know, where they line up now. So it's almost like, ah, eh, just take out the, you know, in overtime, just take out that play that's going to be a touchback anyways because most kickers are putting it in the end zone anyways. True. Um, Which, you know, that brings up a whole other point about do we really even need kickoffs. But I, I love a kick return when it happens. It's just that it happens much, much less, right, with the – um, with them, what are they kicking it from now? The third, no, 35. Yeah. Yep. 35. That five yards is, you know, midway into the goal line as they put it. So, or end zone as they put it. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense. Now, is it the NFL's way of building drama? I mean, that's a dumb way to build drama. I think there's enough drama in the game. Um, and man, we could spend another 10 minutes talking about the stupid drama that the NFL created with the dumb, <laughs> unnecessary roughness and like yesterday's game was terrible man like yeah. you know i'm a i'm a matt Nagy fan even though i know his time in washington washington in chicago hasn't gone i mean he won coach of the year right a few years ago and had them in the playoffs but it's kind of been downhill um since then but man yesterday he it looked like he was gonna beat up the ref with that dumb uh i forgot what they called pass interference or unnecessary roughness mm-hmm. oh, i don't know if you saw it I didn't get to see that one though. Oh man, it was terrible. Like I'm sure if you just Twitter search, um, like Bears versus Vikings, uh, unnecessary roughness call. Um, it's just like what are the the defenders are just making a play on the ball. It's you know they don't even hit the guy hard and it's called, and Matt Nagy ends up getting a, oh I don't know whatever like whatever yelling at the refs penalty is mm-hmm. for. Um, but yeah, it's just it that that alone is making the game. I would never say, you know, not watchable, but it's it it takes that emotion and that fun out of the game where these players, you know, they don't even know how to tackle anymore. If you watch how like safeties and linebackers catch wide receivers or whoever across the middle, it's almost like a hug, you know. Um Yeah. So I agree. So yeah, there's just and I don't get it. And it's it's one of those things where maybe it's just the NFL owner's way of adding drama to it, but like I said, man, there's so many more better ways to add drama to the league.
totally is true. So on to our last topic of today. And speaking of drama, we all know what's going on right now in the world, uh, in sports, uh, not just the Chiefs, but NFL, everything in general. So we're here to talk about the COVID list. So there is, which is interesting because from this Chargers Chiefs game, there was no injuries, at least other than um, obviously the Chargers, uh, you know, tight end that happened. Um, and I, I think um, uh, James, Darwin James for the um, Chargers um, ended up questionable and didn't return from the game. But besides that, the huge story right now um, in the NFL and everything is the COVID list. So as of right now, and I know we're all kind of constantly checking our phones, who's next, who's going to show up on the, you know, all this drama that's been going down just even today. Um, we're actually now at 16 uh, total players for the Chiefs on the COVID list, uh, 13 active and three on the practice squad. And I can just kind of bear with me. I'll list, I'll list the players here so far. So on the offense for the Chiefs, we have Travis Kelsey, Blake Bell, Tyreek Hill, Josh Gordon, Lucas Niang, and Kyle Long. On defense, we have Jarvarius Ward, Rashad Fenton, Amani Watts, Willie Gay Jr., Nick Bolton, Chris Jones, and then we have our kicker, Harrison Butker, who's already been ruled out for the Steelers game. Um, and then on the practice squad is Greg Dieter, um, Darius Fountain, and um, or uh, Darius Fountain and uh, Darius or Darius Smith, or sorry, Harris, Darius Harris. So those are the 16 players we have currently right now, and still probably more to come. Um, and then obviously we have uh, Legarius. Sneed, he was on the COVID list, but he should be back, I think, for the Steelers game after uh, missing two games um, due to um, the death of his brother. But um, back to the COVID thing, um, it's crazy right now. I um, Obviously, you know, NHL has shut down their season until the 26th. Um, I think it probably should be until New Year's. Uh, NBA's having so many issues right now. Uh, I, I know there was talks about um, you know, possibly them, you know, postponing more games or shut down the season. And I think the commissioner said that he was not going to do that. Um, NFL continues to move games. So um, for, for the fan side of it, uh, it's been almost fun because we're getting a game almost every day, um, you know, for the most part. But um, now it hits your own team and it's like, well, you know, how long is this going to go on? How many more players you know, is our game going to get moved from Sunday at late afternoon Tuesday now? I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts right now? It's just, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? It, you know, we could sit here and talk about, you know, why this is happening, so on and so forth. I mean, none of us are scientists or doctors that, you know, see this thing for sand, so we have to rely on the advice and the recommendations or whatever the requirements of the experts. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just sucks. Um, what will I mean? The NFL, we've already we just talked about the shallowness of their owners. So, do I expect any cancellations? Heck no, we're gonna have games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, before they cancel, right? So, um, it'll just be interesting to see what happens. I think you know, the Chiefs are gonna end up the way it's going. You know, we're gonna end up playing that Sunday game on like Tuesday or something, as uh, the Seahawks and the Rams are playing right now. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those where it's a reflection of society. Um, I have. So, you know, with me being a soccer fan, I keep up with a lot of what happens in the world. Um, and I, I was reading a tweet yesterday that broke down stats on vaccination percentages per teams or leagues. 
So soccer-wise, right, which is the most international game, Italy and I think Germany or Spain, one of those, two of those three, lead the, let's say, uh, vaccination percentages per team of the major leagues in um, soccer, right? England is, you know, probably the most popular, but is like fourth or fifth in regards to vaccinated percentages by team. And they are also moving games and canceling or postponing games. So the data is there showing that the better um, percentages of vaccination, um, you know, helps things kind of go as normal because it helps with the recovery time and symptoms and all that fancy stuff. Um, but, you know, I think the NFL is just a, a reflection of our society as a country, right? Where I think, I don't know, we're still at maybe half of the country being vaccinated, right? Right. Um, so I think it's pretty obvious what I'm saying. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just the data, the science is out there on what we should be doing. And maybe the NFL, I mean, I guess the NFL does already have a requirement that you should be vaccinated. But right. then again, it's only a requirement to do X things. So I don't know if um, it's, it's not a, it's not a full requirement. Right. It's like, a, it's, it's like a, a weird gray line uh, get, thing to have. You get certain access, right. If mm-hmm. or certain things you can do, right. Like go to press conferences without a mask, so on and so forth. I mean, and the NBA has one in all, but what is, I mean, like they do things by state, right. Cause yes. like in Canada, they can't like non-vaccinated players can't enter or something like that. Right. Same so, thing. Same thing as hockey as well. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, like, um, which those are obviously two leagues that involve Canadian, which now it's a government thing, right? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's the NFL. Um, it's one of those where it should just be like, okay, either just make it a requirement, everyone needs to get it. And if you don't, then you can sit out, so that you know, one, there's not people's health being put at risk since everything is so much about safety, right? Right. Um, so yeah, again, right. Very long winded answer, but mm-hmm. it's just, I think we complicate things a lot too much or a lot too much. We complicate things a lot more than we have to as a society. Um, you know, because of our personal and most of the times political feelings mm-hmm. when it's like, man, we got to remember the NFL, it's not a charity league. It's a business mm-hmm. and you know, folks want to protect their business. You know, it's kind of out there on what they need to do. So right. it sucks because man, like, just think about it, right? This is the time of the year, you know, before COVID where the flu used to come about and we all knew it and people did and didn't get flu shots and we would go proceed on with life as normal, right? But now, you know, COVID's a little bit different. And what happens if, you know, we're in uh, week one of the playoffs and I'm trying to think of, let's say Josh Allen or some big time name gets impacted. You know, what the heck's the NFL going to do? Are you going to have playoff games being played on Tuesday? And then if you win, you're playing on Saturday again? So, um, yeah, very That's interesting my, because the uh, NFL, um, didn't mean to cut you off, but, um, no, no, how, um, last year they built an extra week into the season because everything was being so new. Well, this year they had an extra week of games, <laughs> so they didn't have an extra week to built into this kind of thing. Uh, especially towards the end of the year when, when now we're looking at three weeks left, um, so yeah, it's a it's a very interesting thing uh, right around in the playoffs. Um, you know, I will say that you know as far as on the Chiefs standpoint, hey, if it's coming out, it's coming out right now, right? It's before the playoffs. I guess it's a good thing. I don't know. Um, but um, uh, some of the guys that actually got last week, like for instance, like Willie Gay, uh, Josh Gordon, and Jones. 
Chris Jones. Most of those guys, actually, if not all three, will probably end up playing against Pittsburgh um, because they were last week. Um, and especially right. um, Travis Kelsey and Jarvarius Ward also probably has a shot at playing as well just because it's earlier in the week. Um, now these new guys that we just got from today could be a little bit more close of not playing. Um, it also depends, like I said, if they move the game to Tuesday, maybe majority of them do. Uh, like I said, we don't know how many more is going to come on the list. We were hearing that there's at least going to be a total of 10 today. I think there's been seven so far today. Um, so it just, you know, could it be as bad as how the Browns winning? The Browns were like 25 yeah, or something that's like crazy. that. Um, so it's just, uh, it's just interesting. It, it really, it, and like I said, it's not just football. It's just, a, it just is you and me as a human and everybody else right now. It's a, it's an interesting time to be alive right now. It's just, uh, you know, with the COVID and all this stuff going on right now. So, um, we'll just have to wait and see, obviously, um, you know, we could be talking next and, um, you know, a lot more players, 30 players, who knows? I mean, uh, we don't know. So, um, the best thing is, uh, We'll just kind of, you know, go with how this is. And if the Chiefs end up playing the game on Sunday or even on Tuesday and they, they're down 10 players, it is what it is to move on. I mean, the Browns still played their game. Um, we just got to gotta go with it early, honestly, um, how this season is. So, um, well, and weather-wise, man, like um, I think we're getting a break, right? This is supposed to be kind of decent this weekend. Which is weird it, for it being yeah, it's supposed Christmas to be weekend. It's yeah, I think it's going to be like 60, I want to say. Yeah, 60 on yeah. Friday, 65 on Friday, 59, 58 the high on Saturday and Sunday. So we're going to have Christmas, obviously no snow, which that sucks. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm used to going to, I think the last after Christmas game I went to was when we played the Broncos mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, three, two years ago, three years ago, where it was snowing, which was great. Um, took my kid, she's freezing cold, but having a blast. Um. And so, yeah, this year, man, it might be cool to just go and you, know, you could be out there and just sweats in a hoodie. You don't have to be out there in normal uh, <laughs> Which Arctic is interesting. Gear, right? Right. So, uh, except more to come this week, um, obviously, as we get into our preview for our the Steelers-Chiefs uh, game, whether it be uh, Sunday late afternoon or Tuesday or whatever time, we will uh, bring you with that preview. Obviously, we got two more games tonight. Um, obviously, here in a little bit, uh, we got Seahawks-Rams. Uh, Washington football team in Philadelphia playing tonight. So um, crazy, crazy time in the NFL, but uh, we got a lot of games coming. Look forward to the playoffs here coming soon. But uh, like I said, we will, um, you know, talk to you more on our uh, preview for the Chiefs and Steelers week 16 matchup at Arrowhead. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow our podcast and go Chiefs.